This week we read The Adventure of the Abbey Grange. Wait, oh, oh, am I doing the pre-show joke? Oh, wow, ah, that was a bee swing and a miss. The game is afoot, all my buddies. Welcome back to the final Podble and the only Sherlock Holmes read-through podcast brought to you from the bottom of a frozen lake surrounded by a pile of silverware. I, for my part, am old C.W. Hills, the mystery man of San Cloracan, and joining me here is Nicholas Cohen, uh, the man with brand new headphones who looks like a professional. I was making yes, me look like a damn I amateur feel over like here a professional. Bose earbuds. These rule. Yeah, thank you so much to uh, the Patreon people. Yes. Everyone on Patreon, thank you so much. I had uh, my previous pair of headphones broke, uh, and yep. one of the ears just stopped working completely, and they were also $5 from Target. These headphones, the yeah. new ones that I'm wearing right it. now and using, are fantastic absolutely amazing experience thank you so much could not have happened without our patreon supporters so thank you yeah. i can now you know what i'm gonna i'm gonna read them off right now actually yes let's yeah, see let's here i'm it. gonna thank i'm gonna thank them one by one which we're bad at managing our patreon i think anyone who pledges above a certain level is actually supposed to get like a by name shout out mm-hmm. but that was before uh dyson virtue kind of fell apart for a little while uh so thank you brad kefauver Thank you, E.J. Mason. Thank you, C.W. Hills. Hey, thank you, Eliza Lay. Thank you. Um, I'm so I'm so sorry. I know you sent us instructions on how to pronounce your name, and I don't have those on hand, so I'm probably going to butcher this. Gatien Gajak. Thank you, Isaac. Hey, it's my buddy Isaac from Twitter. Hey. How you doing, dude? He was he was the one who told me he was the one who told me to run a uh, a D and D like turkey hunt uh episode for my for my family for thanksgiving which didn't end up happening because of strep throat hey thank you chris daly that guy's awesome uh he did not give us a bird for our last episode he instead corrected our belief that a cat could not do a lot of damage in an aviary apparently that could not have been more false which was important (laughs) important news that's valid it's true fair enough Thank you, Mary Crook, who I know has been a listener since uh, Dyson Virtue's first season. Thank you, Nigel Collins. Thank you, Shannon. And thank you, William, who I assume uh, has to be William of Orange. No, that's our (laughs) buddy, uh, William, whose last name escapes me. Even though I talk to him almost every day, I'm being put here on the spot. And so his last name has flown from my head. Mills! His name is William Mills. Anyway, thank you, all of our patrons. Um, We've been doing this, like, with what equipment and processing time we could afford Mm -hmm. for five years. And so we just did a major upgrade for all of our shows. Everybody's getting new equipment, new headphones, new mics. Uh, Nick, I don't know why I talked to Dylan. You're supposed to get a new mic. I don't know why you haven't yet. I'm going to bring that up with him Mm -hmm. later. Um, We're going to get, we're getting, we're getting this network off snowballs Uh, in 2020. All right. I mean, (laughs) it's, it's, they're the worst little Debbie. Okay. All right. All right. Anyway. So the adventure of the Abbey Grange, this one was a lot of fun. Um, I liked it a Mm -hmm. lot. It was, kind of formulaic but like in a good way like it was it was a mechanical kind of story well told and well put together yeah. and uh i believe you said that you found it satisfying it was like a snickers yeah like a uh, like an almond snickers so i don't die uh yeah yeah there are almond snickers? there are i lo- i just like they just came out with them just for me after i developed my peanut allergy oh my <laughs> they're God. really good yeah they're tasty so like if you don't like peanuts or are allergic uh almond snickers they make them they also make they also make almond butter snickers which are like yeah they're like in squares instead of a bar but they are um they're like instead of peanut butter it's almond butter and they are absolutely divine they are so good they're just like i'll have to check that out chewy like don't get me wrong i love 
I love peanuts. One of one of my few like food indulgences is that we have like an economy sized jar of peanut M and M's around. Great source of protein. Draw from. Yep like cats with free feeding <laughs> but like if in any situation where peanuts are involved i would swap them out for almonds without a second's hesitation yep, there you go almond snickers sponsored by i don't i don't just eat peanuts i'll eat almonds yeah. just raw yeah. just shove them in my nope, face they're, they're great. so good yep good protein oh man absolutely almond butter snickers snickers not our sponsors but if they'd right? like to <laughs> you can pay us in the comestibles <laughs> you can pay me an almond butter snickers i will i will just take lifetime supply that's fine yeah for real yep. All right, so what, uh, ah, yes, the frosty winter of 97. Yes, uh, so the story begins with Holmes waking Watson up, dragging him to the train station, Mm -hmm. and not giving him any explanation as to what's going on. So, (laughs) um, he wakes Watson up and says, uh, Watson, uh, come, Watson, come, the game is afoot, not a word, into your clothes and come. Uh, so, the game is afoot is pretty popular i think as like sherlock holmes's catchphrase a lot of people a lot of I adaptation i've never heard anyone you have say it, it but okay um no. a lot of that adap- sounds like a thing a jerk would say yeah <laughs> a lot of adaptations uh say have him say it it's uh i don't know it's 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 pretty well known and it's actually a quote it's not a quote from sherlock holmes it's a quote from henry the fifth uh really yeah, uh holmes, holmes references uh a lot of literature in the stories which sure. is interesting uh it's a lot of classics so it kind of makes sense that he would know them but definitely it's right. like doyle knowing literature and how about that yeah, so nerd yeah that's yeah that's, that's my nerd fact for the day that's very good yeah um yeah so, he roasts he roasts him out of bed and then uh, 10 minutes later uh, according to my notes anyway they are in a crab to charing cross <laughs> they, they got the horse-drawn carriages and then they just have crabs there you just you call a crab and yeah. you hop on and yeah <laughs> actually very fast uh mode of transportation giant crab if you ever okay so you were thinking like a carriage drawn by multiple no smaller no. but still fairly large i was cra- thinking of one giant crab that has like a little right, that they're car riding. on the top that you like hop in yes. shut the door and then like and then you're off just one big crab. Like on top yeah. of an oliphant. Yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah, that's, what I was... that's 100% yeah. okay. correct. Yeah. So, <laughs> little known fact about that. Uh, so, yeah, they're, they're on the way to the train station. Sorry, that was just, it's a good mental image. I'm like, which Hayabizaki movie is this from? Um, <laughs> yeah, for real. He's just like got, a, got like a giant meerschaum pipe in a month. You know? Right, yeah. A big old mustache under his eyeballs on the little yep. tentacles. Yeah, I don't know. Not tentacles. Crabs are weird. I like them, though. <laughs> Crabs are very weird, but they're good. <laughs> they are. Um, Donna does not like them because they move sideways. She doesn't trust that's it. That's pretty, yeah, that's pretty creepy of them <laughs> to, yeah. to do. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. <laughs> We're one page into okay, this Okay, I have to, I'm sorry. I'm sure the listeners are sick to death of hearing me talk about when I worked in reality television, but this story is actually relevant. So, um. Carry on. One of the archetypical reality television style programs is the uh, put five young idiots in a house and supply them with endless alcohol. Yeah. Right? Yeah. And some of it works and some of it doesn't. Jersey Shore is kind of the paterfamilias of the uh, of the genre. I mean, the real world could be argued for, but that was before reality television as we knew it really existed. Anyway, so um, in all of them, they have to come up with network-appropriate and sensor-friendly um, euphemisms for sex or for certain body parts because mm-hmm. these are the only things that they think are interesting to talk about. 
Um, and some of them are horrifying, like in a show I worked on called Hunter Mountain, which was uh, about a bunch of idiots who just stayed in a cabin on top of a mountain and just wanted to go skiing or snowboarding mm-hmm. all the time. They referred to having sex as hunching, and it was the grossest fucking thing. Yeah. Like, oh, yeah, they were totally hunching. It's like, no, ah, <laughs> thank you. And the beautiful thing was the cast all hated it but once they established it they had to keep saying oh, it so no. they had to force them they, they don't good. just anyway. bleep it out i thought that with reality well see here's the thing if you bleep it that's an acknowledgement of the fiction right that's because because the whole the whole mechanism every mechanism of reality television drives toward removing as much of the like fiction barrier as possible mm. and making it seem like this is a real true thing that's happening right now unfiltered okay and if you hear a bleep then that takes you out of the that that's that's that shatters the suspension of disbelief if just for okay a yeah that that kind of makes sense um, I was working on Jersey Shore, and their euphemism uh, for the female reproductive organ is kuka, which is a horrible word that I hate a lot. Yeah. And I think it has to do with uh, how in many languages those two sounds, the ka and the ku, those are like scatological sounds that usually refer to things that are dirty and unpleasant. Mm-hmm. I don't think it was a good choice. Yeah. But it also sounds to me... <laughs> Like a cute little Pokemon who just like a little crab, oh, no. like a little crabby Kingler. Yeah. Just like a Kuka. Oh my Kuka, God. what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> I can Very see good. it. Animal, new animal mascot. You can pre- yes! Kuka <laughs> the crab! It always yeah, comes back to crabs. Yeah. It really does. I just started playing Pokemon Crystal on my uh, cool. on my 3DS. Nice. Never got to play it. Finally downloaded it. Uh, got me a Toto Dial. Yes. Very happy. Good. He's Excellent a good choice. Little, yeah, little, little, little gator yep. fella. Yeah. Okay, Sherlock Holmes. Yes. So. <laughs> we can't start talking about Pokemon because I will go off. Not again. All right. Not again. So once they're safely train board with hot tea to warm them up on this frosty, frosty night, Holmes reads a note. Quote, My dear Mr. Holmes... I should be very glad of your immediate assistance in what promises to be a most remarkable case. It is something quite in your line. Except for releasing the lady, I will see that everything is kept exactly as I have found it, but I beg you not to lose an instant, as it is difficult to leave Sir Eustace there. Yours faithfully, Stanley Hopkins, sent from my iPhone, Abbey Grange, Kent, 338. (laughs) So... This is already hilarious. Yeah, like, you find out very quickly that Sir Eustace is super dead and murdered with his head bashed in, so, like, the way that he phrases it is so delicate, and it's like, it's not like he's gonna just say he's got his head smashed in by a fire poker, it's like, we can't leave him where he is. Uh, Holmes says that this this cat, uh, Hopkins, Stanley Hopkins, Hopkins has called me in seven times, and uh, on each occasion his summons has been entirely justified, which translates as, oh, Hopkins knows that good weird shit when he sees it. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> he knows when to call Holmes. Uh, yes. So, and then immediately the very next sentence, he uses it to drag Watson's writing abilities, which is yeah, what really the rude. Hell? Just out of nowhere. Yeah, go ahead. I think you've you've got the text there. Go yeah, ahead. Yeah, um, I fancy that every... This is Holmes. I fancy that every one of his cases has found its way into your collection, and I must admit, Watson, that you have some power of selection, which atones for much of which I deplore in your narratives. So it's like he yeah. starts to go off on a compliment and then completely, like, turns around and uses it as an insult. Like, you can imagine Watson being like, oh, well, like, I do have power of selection, like, which is... Which makes up for a lot yeah. of what I hate. 
hate about everything you write, Watson. <laughs> it's just like, come on. Real. Um, yeah, your, your fatal habit of looking at everything from the point of view of a story instead of as a scientific exercise has ruined what might have otherwise been an instructive and even classical series of demonstrations. Um, and he, he goes yeah. on for a little bit longer, but like basically he, real. he doesn't necessarily say Watson's a bad writer. He, to be fair, he said it's more like he just doesn't approve of how he's writing about them. He doesn't approve Correct. of him he thinks fictionalizing. He focuses on the wrong thing. Yeah, he's like, well, yeah. you're writing for sensation when you should be writing for science. Text, and Watson's like, yeah. well, people don't want to read that. <laughs> um, exactly. So <laughs> and Holmes is like, I don't care. Yeah. So, uh, so that strange bit of borderline domestic friend abuse done. <laughs> um, they're talking about this case. Holmes reckons it's a murder, and it had to have been done before midnight, which he gathers from the like the time frames and timestamps in this whole thing. Mm-hmm. Like if that if that text was sent at three a.m. and it had to get to one station, which had to get to the cops, which had to get to him, so it had to have been done before midnight. Which note taking Casey was convinced was going to be plot relevant. Nope, nope. not at all. <laughs> Nuh-uh. not even a little bit. <laughs> Why do I take notes anyway? What's the point? Yeah, for real. Yeah. Just make up the stories we go along. <laughs> just fill it with crab. <laughs> yeah. So the uh, the dead man, uh, Sir Eustace Brackenstall, is described as uh, well, once they so they get to the house. Uh, I'm, I'm not, not going to describe the house. It's it's a it's so funny because like the title of the story is the Abbey Grange. I think just because the whole plot takes place there for the most part. Yeah. Um, I get mad at like stories where the title is just the name of the property because it never helps me remember what the story is about, and I'm just like. Sure. Yeah. But uh, so Sir Eustace is described as one of the richest men in Kent. He's very rich and he's also a confirmed uh, was a confirmed drunkard. Uh, his oh, yeah. his bad relationship uh, with his wife was like a n- known fact in the neighborhood. And uh, he's Correct. also dead AF. So they get to the house. Uh, Stanley Hopkins greets them at the door. Uh, and he says, uh, immediately he says, you remember the Lewisham gang of burglars? Uh, what, the three Randalls? Exactly, the father and two sons. It's their work. I have no doubt about it. So Stanley Hopkins already is pretty sure he knows who did it. He just called Holmes yep. in basically just because the circumstances are very strange. Uh, right. There's some pieces of evidence that are unusual and he wanted to just kind of have Holmes as like a backup even though he already they seem to be from different he's already kind of drawn a conclusion as to who did it and uh he's lustrating hard he is yeah (laughs) so uh they get to the house they meet uh the wife uh Lady Mary Brackenstall uh, she's an Australian lady, and she's been married to Sir Eustace for about a year, uh, very unhappily the whole time. When she met him, he seemed super nice. Yes. Uh, later on, she found out that he, when he's drunk, he is just a monster, and he he will throw stuff at her maid. He's called her all, t- all kinds of horrible names, mm-hmm. and she's got some bruises on her uh, face and also on her arms. The ones on her arms, she says, aren't connected to the case, she claims. Yeah, no, these are incidental. Yeah, right, and, yeah. Uh, but the one on her face, she said, was delivered by the... She has uh, been intruder. walloped about the bracket. Yeah. Um, yes. So there was an intruder. Yeah, they had an unhappy marriage because he's a drunk and she's an Australian. <laughs> but law binds them together. And this is another thing that I thought I was going to look up but didn't have time because I had to take my cat to the vet. Mm-hmm. Like, 
a lot of English law and religion is based on being able to get a divorce. I actually like, did look that up because I was curious because the maid me. was like, yeah. uh, like, ah, oh, this, none of this ever would have happened if she could have just divorced him, but the laws of your land don't allow that. And it's stupid. And so I was like, okay, when did divorce become legalized in England? And this is right. wild because what I found, as far as I know, I could correct me, any, anyone me, if I'm, I'm wrong, divorce was legalized in England in 1969, uh, it was no. the Divorce Reform Act, and I don't know if divorce was, like, legal under other circumstances, but that was when it was generally, like, it it widened what you could divorce for. Like, there were certain reasons okay. where, like, oh, if they're doing this, that, or the other thing, you can't divorce them, but if, like, they, it, it just made it more, th- there were more reasons you could get divorced, I think. Right. Uh, but, like, 69, it was really strict for a long time. It was very hard to get a divorce. Uh, right, probably probably only if the man wanted to. Yeah, it was probably something like that. Cause, I should because yeah, she what, there. Everyone knew that it was not a happy marriage and that she was not safe with him. Yeah. but they, she just legally couldn't divorce him, and so that's why. She well, because that was out. the whole thing. That was the whole thing with Henry VIII and the Church of England. Yeah, because Henry VIII was was like, "Yo, let me marry that dame over here," and the Pope was like, "Nah, son," and he said, "Oh yeah, I'm the fucking Pope now." <laughs> Boom, Church of England. Yeah. And uh, so I guess uh, English Reformation and separating the Church of England from papal authority, he appointed himself the supreme head of the Church of England and dissolved convents and monasteries. Wow. For which he was excommunicated. Wow. Amazing. Yeah. Yikes. Bad dude. Yeah. Uh, not, a, not a good Corruption look, Henry VIII. power there, yeah. Huh. Yeah. Anybody who wants to be the Pope shouldn't be allowed no. to be. No. Yeah, think. I don't think so. I, I think that... I think that the um, the church or group should decide that one. <laughs> yeah, there was, there's a there's there's a line from Dune that anyone who seeks power should be prevented from having mm-hmm. it. Essentially, yeah, because only only people who don't want it are the ones who get shit done. Right? Like, did you ever? I always felt like Obama's presidency was really like not like he didn't want to be there. Like he was mad he was president mm-hmm. or anything, but he was like, okay, fine. Yeah. Yeah. I guess you guys <laughs> right? need me, whatever. I... <laughs> really rather be water skiing right now, but I guess I got to lead a country. <laughs> exactly. Can you imagine once he Rolls was a president anymore, the free time he had, he could play Skyrim and blow his fucking mind. <laughs> right? He missed so much. Now let's see what 2012 was talking about. Oh my. <laughs> I'm the Dover team. <laughs> I, I love... Hey, Michelle. <laughs> I love the concept of Obama just sitting there playing Skyrim and absolutely digging it. I feel like he would. <laughs> now I understand that these Khajiit have coin if I have wares. <laughs> uh, no, that's backwards! Oh, fuck! I reversed the oh, meme! No. Never mind. Blew it. God. <laughs> okay. So, the widow's tale. Yes. Um, that night, Eustace had gone to bed at around 10.30. The servants were already asleep. She read until 11, presumably gripped by the novel reading madness uh, that had infested so much of Victorian society. And then uh, she did a security round of the house, as was her custom, because, again, husband is a drunk. Mm-hmm. He'll beat you every night, but only when he's sober. <laughs> so you're all right. <laughs> What's that from? That's Fiddler. That's oh, Fiddler yeah. I, I knew it sounded familiar. I just couldn't pin it. Yeah. I was like, it's a musical. That's yeah. fair. So she's investigating, and suddenly a breeze punches her in the face through a curtain. 
because the window is open. And in that window, there are three burglemen who then wallop her, apprehend her, and bind her to a chair with the uh, pull cord of the bell. Now, what's interesting is, in my notes, I consistently refer to them as burglemen, but they are not burglemen, uh, because I learned this watching Ant-Man. Apparently, burgling, by definition, only applies uh, if the home is presently unoccupied, if no one is home. Because, like, if... Oh. If someone is if someone is there, yeah. then it's like breaking and entering. Or th- there's a there's a different term because then like implied threat is involved. Okay, I I wonder what robbery yeah. is then. Is it... I think that might be okay. It. So robbery is if someone's there, and well, you know what? Let's to yeah. to the Google pater here. Burg not gurglery. Gurglery. <laughs> God, that's when you uh, that's when you are brushing your teeth and you. I don't know. <laughs> That's when, that's when you use when you rob a crab. That's when you rob a mouthwash store. There we go. There we go. There's the joke. <laughs> <laughs> My brain's like, you could have one joke that's per day, you... but you're gonna deliver it as shittily as possible. <laughs> All right. Yep. I'll take it. Let's go to mouth Washington. A gurglery and, uh, is when you rob a mouthwash store in Washington. There we go. Mouth Washington. There it is. Burglary involves a person illegally entering the building in order to commit a crime while inside. Robbery is generally when someone takes something of value directly from another person by use of force or fear. Okay. Which is why Paul Rudd was was allowed to be a good guy in Ant-Man. He was a he was a gentleman bandit who uh, did not harm or even threaten anyone. All right. So, nice. Yeah, interestingly enough, in uh, Raising Arizona, Nicolas Cage's character, H.I. McDonough, um, he got out of several armed robbery charges because the gun he used was never loaded, which I don't think that's how the law works at all. (laughs) No. (laughs) Still a very good movie. We're rewatching Fargo right now in anticipation of the fourth season, and oh boy, good show. Have you seen Fargo? I have not, but I really want to. Do you have the Hulu? Uh, I think I do have access to someone's Hulu account, yes. <laughs> I was going to say, I will give you yet another password because you need yeah. to see this show. Okay. So, yes. Uh, some not robbers, I guess, is what yeah. they are then. In that case, uh, they bind her to a chair. The husband, to his credit, uh, arrives with his cudgel, which was apparently like his trademark weapon. I mean, he has guns, <laughs> he was but like, okay. <laughs> Yeah, he's like, he's like, come on then, yeah, lads, woo, and it's just like instantly clawed. Right. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, he yeah RSVP, he, com- he comes in guy. the oldest of the intruders bashes him over the head with a fire poker and come he on. dies instantly. They uh they all um pop a bottle of wine, pour a cup of wine for all three As of you them do. and drink it, and then they steal some of the uh the silver plate that's in the same room, and then they leave. And the maid, I think, comes... Oh, eventually Lady Bracknell says she was... Or Bracknell. uh, Brackenstall was uh, able to, um, like, work the the tie around her mouth free enough that she could scream. Mm -hmm. And then the maid comes to her rescue. And that's uh, the end of that account. Uh, She tells tells the story. They interview the maid as well. And she corroborates it. She says that, uh, like, she basically says everything that she said is true. Um, but Holmes is not very convinced. He, well, he, he's losing interest. He's he's losing interest. He's saying like, all right, this is, it seems like everything here is like, as they say it was. And then he does an examination of the room. This whole situation really seems crime a dozen. Yeah. And so he, and then he does an examination of the room very closely. What? Crime a dozen. Oh, crime a dozen. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 
One of my favorite parts of getting to know you better is like try just exper- just to see which things will hit you which ways. <laughs> and I was I was like sixty percent sure that crime a dozen was gonna knock you on your ass, and I was wrong. But now I know. No, it it just took a minute to sink in. I can't really listen to things and talk about something at the same time. That's so fair. like it, yeah, no, it was funny. I just didn't. My brain. No, I was not fishing for reassurance. I just, I just want, yeah. I just want to hit all the. I just want to get like my elemental alignments correct. <laughs> yeah. So where was I going with that? Um, uh, Holmes is losing interest. Yeah, yeah, he's losing interest. Uh, he examines the room and then realizes that uh, there's there's bees wing bees wing in one of the glasses of wine uh, at the bottom, mm-hmm. but not uh, the other two. And beeswing is uh, something that, like, uh, I, I think it in really old bottles of wine, it's just like yeah. sediment stuff that gets gets in there. It builds up, yeah, specifically in uh, bottles of port is what I read, and it is like a very filmy substance because it looks like bees wings, mm-hmm. which is why they call it that. Um, and it is actually, <laughs> when dried and powdered, uh, is what is uh, marketed as um, cream of tartar. Oh, extra gross. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, but useful in making Play-Doh. So oh, now all right. We know. There we go. Yeah, vital. Bees wing, un- unrelated to the uh, to the neo swing movement of the late nineties. <laughs> so, so only later would Holmes and Watson notice that the knots holding uh, Mrs. Bric-a-Brac to the chair mm-hmm. were still tied. In fact, yeah. despite the fact that she had been released. Yeah. Which will be important. So, Corpsey Joe, uh, he's wearing a nightshirt and his trousers and the the fireplace poker that like it the, it bent against his noggin, right? Like a, Which, almost like a novelty, yeah, like a novelty sort of thing. Yeah, yeah. I know. I pictured Holmes, that too. Like Holmes, it was like formed around the shape of his head, like one of the arrows. Exactly, that go like like a like a carrot yeah. top. Arrow, exactly, or or sideshow Mel's <laughs> bone. Um, and Holmes comments that the elder Randall uh, must have been very strong to do this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he points out a lot of things that just seem unusual about the story. There was a, a lot of this shit a, doesn't. A add lot up. of it doesn't add up. Um, let me see. There's like a specific paragraph where he like lists it basically. Um, okay. Yeah, uh, they're on the train back to London, and he's talking to Watson about. It, he says, uh, every instinct I possess cries out against it. It's all wrong. I swear there's something, you know, I, there's something about it. Even though the maid's corroboration was sufficient, uh, it's just like the, the three wine glasses, it was what gets him. Something about them just correct make it so that he can't let it go. Uh, he says those details of his story, which are unusual, uh, the burglars had just made a huge haul somewhere else, so it seems right. really weird that they would immediately hit another house for even more stuff. It just doesn't really happen very often. And for a much smaller haul. For a mu- yeah, they barely took, they didn't take very much. Um, also, it's no. unusual for burglars to operate so early an hour. Um, it was pretty early in the night uh, that they struck. Usually it's like in the AMs. Uh, that they go for it, uh, and also it's unusual for a burglar to strike a lady to prevent her screaming, uh, since it, one would imagine that's a sure way to make her scream. Um, and it's unusual right. for them to commit murder when their numbers are sufficient to overpower one man. Uh, and also right. it's unusual for them to, uh, oh, it's unusual for such men to leave a bottle half empty. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> like if you're going to steal someone's wine, you're going to drink the whole thing. Just polish that right. thing off. Yeah. 
Well, and there are some other questions too. Like Holmes was very interested in the bell pull cord. Yeah. Um, not there were no snakes on it this time, but it was used to bind up um, Mrs. Brackenfoos with, and it was yanked loose from its moorings. But wouldn't that have rung the bell? Yes, it would yeah. have. But the kitchen is on the other side of the house, so nobody heard it. Okay, but how did he know that? Right, exactly. Meaning that. He must have had a confederate inside. He must have known the place. Or, and Nicholas, this is another thing where, like, that's a really impressive line of reasoning only because it works. Because, bear with me here, Mm -hmm. what if they were just idiots? Like, (laughs) what if? Yeah, they were, like, they they were in a panic, maybe. They just grabbed at the first rope they could find. But, like, I don't know. I feel like if they were planning on robbing the place and encountering anyone they maybe would have had their own rope like how do you know every room's gonna have a bell rope and it's just it's weird it is weird it doesn't make sense and the reasoning does track for sure but yeah there's always it's he he did definitely get lucky i think in that right (laughs) but yeah so watson agrees that like any of these weirdnesses like individually they would be believable (laughs) or explainable uh but together they add up to the official story being bullshit yeah so he doesn't really have uh he kind of lets it go for a second, but then they get back to the train station and immediately Holmes is mm-hmm. like, not, nah, we got to turn around. I can't, I can't let it go. Nope. Uh, and, uh, so they, they just basically get off the train, get back on the train, go back right back to the house. Uh, I really hope they're racking up like frequent rail miles. Right? Like just, they got to be part of some like diamond club. I'm, this, this story, this story is just one big testament to how patient Watson is. In my opinion, for real, like he doesn't get hard. Watson, you got to get used to being on the train. <laughs> he gets for a hardly while. any mention in this story. Like Watson really doesn't do anything much, uh, nope. except at the very, very end. But like, gosh, he does get dragged dragged around and put to the and test. I like here. He's got like an inflatable, an inflatable like lumbar pillow. Right, like he's just mask. like he's got his own like, like just... in his doctor bag. He's just got all this extra stuff that he just like yeah <laughs> overnight he's got a stuff, book, yeah sandwich entertainment yeah. food yeah so the. The bone of contention has to do with the wine glasses. There were three wine glasses, but there were one for each Brigelman, presumably, but only one had any B-swing in. So either, to, and, and the B-swing is, as Nicholas mentioned, um, sediment that settles as sediment will do. Uh, so either two glasses of wine were poured, <laughs> and then the bottle was jostled, and then a third was poured, or two glasses were poured, and then the dregs from both of them were poured separately into a third glass, Mm -hmm. which made me wonder, was the bottle pre-jostled, perhaps upon a noggin? Uh, Yeah, they get back to the Abbey Grange. Um, Stanley Hopkins has gone back to headquarters, and uh, uh, the people at the house are kind of surprised that they're back. They weren't expecting it. And Holmes just does, uh, he, he goes back to the room, shuts the door, and is like, I'm going to stay in this room until I figure out what's wrong, yeah. basically. Uh, so he, cl- he hops up onto the mantelpiece. He hops like onto a big the mantelpiece, yeah. And uh, uh, Watson and Holmes, just... Watson's yelling at him, no, Holmes! Right, Holmes, Watson's just watching Bad. him. Yeah, right, like spraying him with a spray reaches, bottle. Reaches for the water bottle. Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah, so... Sometimes, sometimes if you just shake it at him, it works, but sometimes they call your bluff. <laughs> uh holmes is a cat uh so yeah um see that's the thing with the holmes and watson dog pepper and salt shakers is that like yeah watson would be a dog but i think holmes would be a cat i think they would work better that's a point if that was that's a point we've discussed this before that's that's accurate in the hayao miyazaki adaptation of sherlock holmes in my mind that's what they are (laughs) i saw (laughs) 
Um, I saw on Twitter one of my favorite fake joke news uh, mm-hmm. media. It's called it's called the Hard Times, and they just do fake jokes, but it's usually about nerd stuff instead of like the Onion. And one of them was uh, Hayao Miyazaki releases uh, upcoming year's schedule of retirement announcements. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> it's true. <laughs> So, listeners, find us, yeah, find us a pair of salt shakers with uh, Watson as a dog and Holmes as a kitty cat. If you find one of those, we will buy it yep. with the Patreon money. That's what, <laughs> that's this, what it's for. That's what your generous donations are going to. Yeah. We can keep, each of us can keep one and the other can have the other. And it can oh, be long-distance friendship that tokens. That would be so good. Yes, I love it. Yes, it would. We're trying to find something like that. Foster our friendship. Listeners, <laughs> come on. Just let us know. You don't have to pay. We'll just find it and we'll pay for it. Don't yeah, worry. Yeah, we'll get it. It's fine. And whoever finds it for us uh, will receive a special award or prize or some kind of eternal huxtable or yes. something i love that yeah so all right so yeah so holmes is holmes is up on the mantelpiece he's fixating on the end of the bell rope uh which has Correct. so what's strange about it is from the top of the rope with the part where it hangs down off the metal hook is cut clean uh as if with a knife so they obviously didn't mm-hmm. pull it off the end of the other end of the rope that was used to tie her up with was frayed um like as as if it had been pulled but the part where it was actually severed was like clean so that's really mm-hmm. strange and to holmes it it says that it must have been somebody who climbed up there cut the rope mm-hmm. and then wanted to make it look like it had been pulled off which is just like why it's it's yeah, yeah, it's very strange and it must have been somebody really scary extremely athletic and taller yeah. than well, Holmes. no, I mean, it must yeah. have been someone, like, terrifying. Otherwise, why would the rope be frayed? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What? Uh, see, like, did they, did, then I just lose my train of thought for the next five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's okay, because we'll be back on the train of thought in a few minutes anyway. We gotta turn around. See, the train of thought is leaving the station. <laughs> Uh, it's too oh, early for boy. this. So yes, I say it too. Okay, so PM. whoever whoever did this must have been squirrel enough to do the mantle stuff. They got up there, so yeah, it looks it looks pre frayed. So somebody must have hopped up and sawed at it, and must have been taller than Holmes in order to do so, which is saying something because I think Holmes is pretty consistently described as being like a big lanky. Boy. Yeah, he's uh, it, it I. I guess it implies in this story that he's six foot because uh, he says yeah. three inches taller uh, than Holmes. So, uh, yeah, Holmes is about six feet tall, already tall. This guy's taller than him and athletic enough to get up onto the mantelpiece and reach the uh, the rope, which is uh, right. which is a lot. So, yeah, so that, that fact was discovered. Um, after that, I think they leave, right? Almost. No. There's also... There's also blood on the seat to which uh, Mrs. Mrs. Brooks and Dunn had oh, been yeah. bound. Forgot about that. Yeah, but she said she was bound there after her husband had been murderated, so it doesn't... I think I might have gotten something backwards there, but in any event, it doesn't really make sense that there's blood on no, the seat. No, it doesn't matter. That doesn't, that doesn't align. It doesn't align with the story they were told. Yeah. Now, Nicholas, I'm terribly sorry to derail once again. I, I really am. Um, but you're going to want to know this. Okay. So I'm ready. we were talking about Holmes being tall mm-hmm. and 
described as being six feet, and that made me remember that Napoleon um, is not ac- was not actually very short. Right. He was an average size man. He was five seven or five eight, and the discrepancy there comes from the difference between French feet and British feet. I was listening to Omnibus recently, and they were talking about how when Napoleon was exiled, uh, first he was exiled to he was exiled twice, <laughs> like you do. Oh, also, turns out he reinstated slavery after the French Revolution. God damn it, Napoleon. Because he thought it would be... <laughs> yeah, he thought it would be good for the economy, which uh, anyone who has looked at slavery on a large enough scale, that Absolutely is not, not true. never, in fact. No, it's wildly unsustainable <laughs> on an industrial scale. Um, also, probably the greatest large-scale evil that can be perpetrated aside, yeah. like, actual genocide. But anyway... So Napoleon was exiled twice, once to the Isle of Elba and once to the Isle of St. Helena. Um, I forget in what order. Mm -hmm. But uh, the final time when he was exiled, he had a garrison guard of like 2,500 dudes whose whole point... He was like Tai Lung. He was like the scary tiger in Kung Fu Panda who had an entire prison just for him. And there there was a plot by some of his followers, I am not making this up, to construct a submarine and bust him out of there. There was a whole yeah. steampunk <laughs> steampunk Ocean's Eleven plot, and the, they worked it. And this would have had a staff of dozens of people. This would have submarine. been like a little. What year was this? Exactly. Like, yeah, this was this was in the eighteen hundreds. Well, because like the you know the turtle was the first submersible, which was invented during the um, American Civil War. Yeah. I want to say that might be a little late, but this would have been like a full scale, not just a little dinky two person thing. And the plan was for them to come ashore with like a weird little seat for him to sit in. And then they would just take off into the ocean and it would drag him out behind and they would reel him in and bring him aboard. And like when they exiled him there, they got to the island. And the whole point of St. Helena is that it's an incredibly difficult place to approach. Mm. It's got rocky shoals. It's all cliffs. There's no beach. It's extremely difficult. But they got there and on the only beach when they got there, the prison men, like his prisoners, mm-hmm. his his imprisoners, like the wardens, they found a message written in the sand saying, long live Emperor Napoleon, or something like that, like waiting for them. Excuse it's me? <laughs> fucking wild. So go listen to Omnibus. The episode is, I think it's like episode 80 uh-huh. something. Um, I think it's called St. Helena. All right, this it's is down. Incre- I'll send it. I'll send it to okay, you. Don't worry yeah. about it. I'll Omnibus. send it to you. Wow. Anyway. Yeah, so real-life steampunk Ocean's Eleven uh, that almost happened and did not, but still. <laughs> Hell yeah, that amazing. is incredible. Well, and they were talking about, because he had plans to, like, escape to America, and we would have welcomed him. As, can you imagine? We, we've we always loved celebrity as a country, oh, yeah. haven't we? Oh, yeah. So, like, if, if Napoleon yeah. showed up, we'd be like, eh, war crimes. What about it? You're a cool dude. Right? Come on. Yeah, no, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, and he was responsible for the Louisiana Purchase, so like he would have, he he, he would have had supporters here politically oh, for sure. who were just like, oh, neat, we guy, you know yeah. we stole this land thanks to you, good job, <laughs> yeah, well done, Napoleon, well done, fellow uh, awful person, <laughs> yeah. yes. So I thought that was I thought that was a bunny trail worth oh absolutely because steampunk Ocean's Eleven adventure, yes, totally. Okay, look into so that. yeah, the nurse's tale. Mm. Uh, the nurse is Australian, and she is a tough nut to crack, yeah. unlike almonds, which are tender and delicious and can be found inside many varieties of Snickers. Yes. Hit us up, Snickers, <laughs> at the final podlum. You know where to find us. And oh 
boy, did she hate Eustace. Yeah. Um, because one time, well, because besides being generally abusive to her mistress, mm-hmm. uh, he one time threw like a decanter at her head. Yeah. Because she told him to stop calling her names. Yeah. No, this guy was horrible. And also the maid has been uh, with Lady Mary since she was literally born. Like th- this was her childhood Correct. nurse. So uh, they're ext- she's extremely uh, like, like she's like her mom, basically. Uh, with the relationship yeah. yeah very close and that she pays yeah, yeah yeah for sure so yeah. um yeah they interviewed the what if you could just hire a mom like if you didn't like yours god just, like, i would love that <laughs> right yeah. yeah that'd be great i was never one of those kids who imagined that like because i have you know we all have frustrations with our family and sometimes mm-hmm. you're not super happy there and some people have more cause for that than others of course mm-hmm. but like i never imagined having a physically different family yeah. Like, I never looked at a TV dad and thought, oh, I wish that was my dad. Yeah. But, like, if you could just hire two people to be your parents, who would they be? <laughs> Who'd you choose? I, who would I choose? Um. Yeah. Do they have to be real people or can they be, like, fictional characters? Not at all. All right. Uh, no, I, like, who cares? Okay, Cisco definitely from dad. He's amazing. Okay. Like, dad goals. Yeah. Uh, and he's, he's a great dad before the Dominion War starts. <laughs> yeah, yeah, true. Yeah. Um, actually, like, you Jake's know a grown man at that point, but he should really be still taking an interest in his son's wartime activities. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so either Cisco or honestly, like, I feel like Picard, despite not being like perp- shown as like a father figure type, he is to many people. Yeah. And I feel it's like true. we could just talk about literature all day, which would be rad. Um, that's true. Also, Patrick Stewart is so cool and nice. Uh, Mom, I don't, I don't know. Uh, I feel like... Huh. I really thought about that. Um, I feel like Dr. Crusher from, again, from Nation. Sure. She's cool. She's into drama, so we'd have that in common. Really <laughs> She's is. into theater, and, canonically. And as I read in a, uh, in a which Star Trek character are you based on your astrology sign quiz I took the other day, Beverly Crusher... Uh, is optimistic and she will fight for what she believes in and makes bafflingly strange sexual decisions. So <laughs> yeah, that's, there's that, but you that's know. A, that's a trait to have in a mom if only to keep things interesting. No, one, no one's perfect. I mean, like, she's like, she's got kind of like, what? No one's perfect. Who among us hasn't hooked up with a candle ghost? <laughs> <laughs> she's kind of got like wine aunt energy, but like a little she more serious. Does. Like a wine aunt yeah, under a control. Little, like, <laughs> Yeah, exactly. Yeah. No, she's she's got it locked down. You, we, you, we don't need to have an intervention for no, her. It's yeah. fine. So my fantasy parents, and I never yes. did that. I never did that as a child. But knowing what I now know, probably, probably honestly, Charles and Caroline Ingalls from uh, Little House on the Prairie. Yeah. Charles Charles Ingalls is just such, uh, such an icon, such a tarot mm-hmm. card of, like, wholesome masculinity for me, who is yeah. not afraid to kick somebody's ass if need be see that's the thing if charles Ingalls kicks your ass you had it coming and you deserve it scary yeah, yeah. it's that very rules. good yeah. okay we're gonna do a special i'm gonna put together like a couple episodes of little house for us to watch and talk about because you need to see some shit oh yeah no i do i, I haven't seen any of it literally any of it so um i would love to have my very first good. exposure be by somebody who loves the show yes that's exactly. the best way to do it yeah mm-hmm we both took a sip at the same time and the lull was unconscionable <laughs> What you got there, Diet Coke? 
Yeah, I got some dietetic Coca-Cola. All right. What is there any reason why you drink Diet Coke versus regular Coke? Because I think Diet Coke's repulsive. But fair enough. <laughs> two reasons. Uh, one, I was raised on it, so it's okay. all I know. Yeah. Valid. Um, and two, regular Coke uh, makes my teeth feel fuzzy and gross. That yeah, that's extremely. I mean, Coke's not good for you, like at all. No, in no, any no. Way. It's very bad for you. Um, no, but no. yeah, so. Cool. Well, they always said this shit would kill me. Joke's on you, the past. <laughs> <laughs> it's a global pandemic that's going to get... No, no, we're not. It sure No is. plans it's on dying anytime soon. Virocalypse. Um, Yeah, it, and I know it's not good because, like, <laughs> I've tried, like, diet Pepsi, and I wouldn't use that shit to wash, like roadkill off of the side of a barn so <laughs> i know this has to be the same roadkill off don't the worry about side it. of a don't. barn how to get there hurricane <laughs> <laughs> that was so that was so fast <laughs> so was the roadkill <laughs> oh we finally cracked i love oh, you dude i was gonna say get- airplane but yeah hurricane works you give me that good brain electricity. What does your mug say this time? It says I got 99 problems, but a Sith ain't one. Very nice. <laughs> Fuck. I played our hand. Because because previ- last time we recorded, you had a Spider-Man mug. But it's going to say, listeners, I'm sorry, we can't escape the charade <laughs> yeah. any longer. This is part two of the episode. If you had We're like, literally two seconds later. Maybe we should tell them that we... <laughs> I don't know. Telling the yeah. listeners has is always is always, every time we th- we think no, we don't need to tell them. So they, like we we crack fifteen seconds and we can't. I hide just trust from them these so much. They're exactly. Friends, right? They've never given us reason not to yet. Yeah. <laughs> Let me get another. Let me get a lifesaver. If they know about so my well. criminal record, what else is there to tell? Like <laughs> for real, I've never done a crimes that I know of consciously. Yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> I thought, I thought like, you were gonna say. <laughs> I thought you were gonna say consciousness. Like I did thought crimes. <laughs> haven't we all at this point yeah um no i i I didn't know that collecting rainwater was a crime for a while i used to do that all the time as a kid just in the backyard yeah what the california it's it's like that shit it's like yeah i don't it's i get out of my sky law man i think uh let me see if it's still the case you don't own the fucking rain california rainwater collection legal let's see (laughs) <laughs> question oh. mark <laughs> oh it is legal in california but not all states okay so let's see that was in why 2012 would it, why would it be illegal anywhere is water what states is it legal okay wait why is what? it why is why this is rainwater thing? collection illegal in some states the reason okay so someone got arrested for it the reason was for diverting water laws against diverting water exist for the protection of the environment yeah, all right. I okay. get. Yeah, I guess. Yeah, that, that makes they sense. They just want to make sure that you dispose of it properly, and, and the water like, needs to go where the... it's got to. Yeah, okay. Yeah, all right. All right. Okay. I feel all better right, about whatever. that now. I thought it was for like survival purposes. In fact, in California, I was totally wrong. It's encouraged to collect rainwater <laughs> because yeah. there's droughts all the time. Um, Correct. Cool. Because a civilization of the kind that exists in California is not supposed to exist there, and it had to be carefully engineered, bringing water from if not per, a lot of if other If not places. per air conditioning, it would not exist, in fact. Exactly. So. Humans are not supposed to live there. Nope. Just giant beans. Uh, so, Holmes... <laughs> <What>? <laughs> so, okay. <laughs> Apparently, they met... Uh, are palm trees to... beans? I thought they were flowers. 
Nope, they're beans. So, <laughs> what? Hold on. Nope. Why is there a palm tree Pokemon, nope. but there's no bean Pokemon? We wouldn't take that seriously. Our palm trees flowers. Yes, they're flowering what? plants. Okay. Hold on. A single leaf life, leaf-like. Okay, so they're leaves. Right. Their branches that look like leaves are actually, like, the flower like part. Pe- like petals? <laughs> yeah, kind of. Okay, hold on. All right. What are the yellow things on palm trees is the fourth question that come up. Uh, I don't want to learn about plants right now. All right, so we're talking about Sherlock Holmes. <laughs> I mean, I, that's what it said on the tin, but I think there might have been a problem at the FDA, the, or at the FPA, the Food and Podcast FPA? Administration. Yeah. yeah. So, yes, uh, they met Mr. Mr. Brackenfoos uh, just a month after arriving in London, and they got married, like, immediately, and as yeah. always, that <laughs> ended well. Right. So... Holmes interviews Mrs. Um, again, very mm-hmm. gently and very kindly, honestly. Yeah. Um, like, not just for Holmes, but, like, in a genuinely gentle yeah. fashion. Um, asking only that she tell the truth for her story. It is a fabrication. We know this. Why do you mm-hmm. insult me with this falsehood? <laughs> Why are you giving me this line of hooey, lady? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> he, he, as nicely as possible, asks her to tell the truth. Um, and Three they times. both, they both, yeah, they both get pretty it's defensive. The maid's like, Hey, are you saying that my lady is lying? And, uh, at, there's a moment of hesitation where Lady Brackensall says, uh, that, that she looks like she is hesitating or something. Right. And, but then she just says, no, I'm not, I, I told the truth. Like I, right. I told you everything. And Holmes knows this isn't true, but he's like, all right, you know, I tried. Uh, and he shrug he emoji. Leaves. He doesn't say anything else. He just leaves. Um, and he he goes out he heads out with Watson and they go right to the pond. They're like walking around sure. the property. They go to the pond and they see a like a single the, the lake is frozen over, but there's a single hole exactly mm-hmm. in the ice, exactly the right size for like a swan to float right. around it. So there's your bird reference, Chris Daly. There you go. Give me some good good swans that I haven't seen before. I don't know how many types of swans there are. There yeah, give us some one. new swans, Chris Daly. We're sick of these tired ass <laughs> swans. There might just be one. Um, so. I, is it is it called like a trumpeter swan? Maybe I think there's a swan that makes like the trumpeting sound. That's all no. I know about swans. They're you can't white. play it. You can't play it like a trumpet though. You can't pick you, it up and walk. No, you can't time. like honk the. Yeah, no. You can't be the Louis Armstrong. The of, swans of themselves swans. though can play the trumpet, but it's okay. very rare. Must uh, be difficult without lips to form an embouchure. Yeah, you would think, but they they figured it out. They managed. So, they pull it off. <laughs> that's actually a book. Um, yeah. About a swan that learns to play the trumpet. Uh, I think it's I think it's, I think it's a young adult lit or something. But yeah, you can look it up. I can't remember the title of it, but I, it's a book Wait, I you read. Mean it's, not the, one it's, time. Not the, it's not the latest legal thriller from John Grisham. <laughs> no, I I distinctly remember at some point in my childhood reading a book about a swan that learns to play the trumpet. Uh, All right, like the swan is mute or something, and so he plays the trumpet to communicate with because that's how they. That's very good. It, it made sense. It was great. It was a good book. But um, <laughs> so yeah, I think this adds up. All up. right. Yeah. I'll allow it. I yeah. can see that. Um, it's a little far-fetched, but I can... Yeah. Um. Well, you know what? I can suspend my disbelief. It's all right. <laughs> golden yeah, grams, golden right. grams, golden grams. <laughs> yeah, actually. Dunkaroos, um, dunkaroos. <laughs> Fruit on like the fridge is sucking up like spaghetti. 
Definitely fruit by the foot. That was my Fuck go-to. Yeah. You'd like you'd like whip it out like Indiana Jones and absolutely, eat it. yeah, like some kind of candy archaeologist. So good, uh, so good. And then like good. the fruit gushers that look like little gems you can eat. Oh yeah, absolutely. The best. Oh, I felt like I was devouring power crystals. It's or something. just oh. like it's just candy. There's like no nutritional value. But oh God. no, they call it fruit snacks. So yeah, good. okay. Sure, yeah. sure. So, Sure, Rutherford B. Gushers. Yeah, all right, you're peddling genuine fruit nom-noms out here. Sure. (laughs) So they go out to the frozen pond. Yeah. And they're looking at yonder yonder music duck. Um, That's not true. Ducks (laughs) are very musical anyway. Somebody, somebody, I forget whom, uh, somebody said that uh, the duck, no, it was about the oboe. Never mind. Ducks are not songbirds. I had that backwards because it was no. a metaphor. Somebody, somebody. I would said say, that, yeah, I would say if swans are the trumpets, then ducks are like saxophones. Maybe, maybe. But like, um, yeah. Lisa Simpson, famous for her duck. Uh, Bill, <laughs> Bill Clinton, beloved and remembered for bringing a duck on Saturday Night Live before the nation, <laughs> cementing uh, him as the cool president in the minds of the youth. <laughs> oh God. But uh, no, uh, somebody yeah. somebody said that if a that the oboe is mm-hmm. uh, what a duck would sound like if it was a songbird, and I always uh, found that to be true because I fucking love me some oboe. Is that Alan yeah. Parsons project in there? Fuck yeah! Um, a couple of Beach Boys tracks. All right, so yeah. <laughs> they hang out at the they hang out at the the the, the Swan Pond. Um, <laughs> the- <laughs> we're just going up and down. <laughs> we really are. Um, we're playing the yo-yo here at the final pod yes, today. <laughs> they hang out at the Swan Pond. Yep. And then uh, he writes a note. Holmes does. He writes a note for Hopkins, mm-hmm. and he leaves it with the groundskeeper, who promptly eats it. <laughs> so he sends to a shipping office um, of the specifically of the Adelaide Southampton line, which connects mm-hmm. South Australia with England. Did you know that Australia has states? No, I did not. Yeah. I, I, I thought I knew it had recently. like smaller islands, right? There's like no, the I think continent. You're thinking and then of New Zealand, I think. I yeah. Um, but yeah, there it has like five states. There's like Canberra and New South Wales and all that shit. Like those are oh, wow. separate states. All right, yeah, yeah that makes Donna sense. Donna has family in Australia, and I didn't know that until it I mean Australia is ground. So right, and so, yeah. well, yeah, not anymore though. Not it, anymore. No, it finally stopped. True. Yes. Yeah, which I was really yeah, happy. But what, but but once it did, we I know we have at least one Australian listener, and we are very glad that you did not burn to the ground. Yes. Oh my gosh. Yes. Yeah, that was really scary. <laughs> um. But yes, once once the fires did go out, you looked down, you could see the lines that divide the states, like drawn on the map. Wow. So that's not true. Maybe. Who knows? <laughs> huh? Who knows in what image Australia was made? <laughs> So, uh, okay, this shipping line. We're this, really going to drag Australia here? I mean, they gave us Steve Irwin. <laughs> we're not. We and then they took him back. I have been... <laughs> Wait, I thought the. Stu- Wait, no, we're not going to get into that. <laughs> we love Australia Australian here. Who knows? So um, hmm. he does some research on the Rock of Gibraltar, uh, which is a famous rock that was. No, which uh, was a ship. <laughs> The, the ship was which... named after something. Correct. Do we it want to look up what the what the, the rock, rock of Gibraltar? It's a yeah. rock. It's yeah, a it's like... like a famous historical and religious site. But how? How is it? <laughs> <laughs> What's it famous for? Also yeah. known as the Rock. Yeah. Okay. Near the southwestern tip of Europe. On okay, so it's like a real big like mountain top thing. Why is it famous? Yeah. 
It's always been important as a military base because that was where the Mediterranean Sea narrows to only 14 kilometers. Uh, only 14 uh, kilometers? Nobody can jump that far. Oh, wow. It actually looks really cool. Um, but now I'm bored. Okay, let's get back to the podcast. Fair <laughs> enough. It's a rock. Uh, so that was the rock. <laughs> it's a big rock. That, um, yes, that the maid and Mrs. Uh, took to get here. So Holmes asks a little bit about the captain whose record... Pioneers used to what? ride these babies for miles. <laughs> Not a boulder. Uh, <laughs> it's a rock. All right, <laughs> it's my turn to throw you off every five seconds. How yeah, does it no, feel? It worked. It, it, it feels <laughs> frustrating. I, I, you know what? No, I, <laughs> no. I'm afraid. I'm afraid. I like it. Oh no! <laughs> I can't win. Just try it once. They said you can stop anytime you want. <laughs> All right. Um, uh, yeah. Holmes asks about the captain, whose record is, is magnificent on duty, but off duty in his private life. He's a wild and desperate, if good-hearted man. And I really love that combination, that he's just out there, like, really recklessly doing good deeds and grand yeah. gestures of, like, <laughs> romance, not in, like, the interpersonal, like, romantic sense, but, like, I love you, the world, and just doing real bad shit that gets me right, hard, like, but he meant Doing, well. like, a tuck-and-roll thing to, like, grab a squirrel that's about to get hit by a car and just, like... <laughs> exactly. Safely. Go, tiny friend! <laughs> and it immediately attacks a nearby toddler. <laughs> yeah. All right. So then they go to Scotland Yard. Mm-hmm. We don't know what they do there. It doesn't tell us. Then they go to Charing Cross, and they send a telegraph, and then they go back home to Baker Street to wait and fart in peace. And Holmes says, once or twice in my career... I feel that I have done more real harm by my discovery of the criminal than ever he had done by his crime. I have learned caution now, and I had rather play tricks with the law of England than with my own conscience. Let us know a little more before we act. So Holmes mm-hmm. has set the stage, and he's ready for the pieces uh, to do a little dance. I like cautious Holmes. Yeah. Yeah. He, he doesn't seem... He's he's convinced that something's up, but he doesn't know exactly what it is, and he wants to be careful Correct. because he has a theory. He just isn't yeah. sure yet. So he yeah, and he has he has wrecked lives before by being like, "Nah, I'm right. I don't care what happens because of it." Right. And this is a later story in the canon, so you it's it's kind of yeah. neat to see that by this time he he's has learned some. from that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I also like that. Uh, well, I don't know if I like it or if it's frustrating, but this is one of the stories where Watson has no idea what's going on because the Correct. reader can't really have any idea what's going on because it's more fun to reveal it all at the end. But Correct. from the minute Watson wakes up in this story, the <laughs> minute Holmes wakes Watson up, he really yeah. doesn't get any of the information that Holmes Oh, no, no. This is Watson, up. come watch me be impressive. Yes. Yeah, yeah. Stanley Hopkins gets some hints, but even he doesn't get, Holmes doesn't give him the whole story because he's he's given it out in pieces because he's not sure he wants it starts out with holmes giving hopkins all of these clues because he hopes he wants to see if hopkins can mm-hmm. piece it together himself like it's it's like his way of like training almost i guess Come on, champ. like he's you trying to he's trying to pass down his knowledge but he doesn't want to just hand it to him mm-hmm. um and but then by the other i think by the second half of the story holmes is kind of uh, I, I think he ends up being glad he doesn't give Hopkins everything, and yeah. Hopkins just like kind of drops everything Holmes hands to him, uh, mm-hmm. which ends up being for the better in the end. Because yeah, so there's it does yeah. So they're sitting in Baker Street uh, waiting for something, and then uh, a, a guy shows up at the door, and it's uh, it's Captain. Well, first it's Hopkins. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, Hop- Hopkins shows up, and Holmes yeah. gives him one more piece of it. I think. 
Right. Yeah. Hopkins visits and he asks Holmes, hey, Holmes, how did you know the silver was at the bottom of that pond? Did like a silver tiger bite you and now you have silver <laughs> senses? And Holmes said, yes, but that's not how I knew. He says, I didn't know it, but you told me to examine it. Oh, you got it then? Yes, I got it. Well, I'm very glad if I've helped you. Oh, but you haven't helped me. You've made the affair far more difficult. What sort of burglars are they? Who steal silver and then throw it into the nearest pond? Well, I thought they'd be anxious to get rid of it. Why? Oh, there's that pond with a hole in the ice. Could there be a better hiding place? And he's just... (laughs) Holmes Holmes is having a slightly different conversation than Hopkins is having. Mm -hmm. The questions and answers don't quite add up. They're not. They're having two different conversations that sort of align, but not really. And it kind of ends with Hopkins uh, assuming that they dropped the silver in the lake in order to go get it later because they didn't want to be seen. He assumes that... It was definitely these burglars, definitely. Like, right. he's not going to change his mind on that. They must have taken the silver, thrown it in the lake, uh, because they didn't want to be seen with it on the road, and they were going to go back and get it later. Correct. And that's the conclusion he draws, and he's like, okay, great, thanks, Holmes, and then he he just leaves. Yeah, um, because three three men pitching a bundle of clangle jangle uh, into a frozen pond in the middle of the night is surely much less conspicuous. <laughs> than three men <laughs> carrying a package. Right, and, like, frozen ponds are notoriously easy to get stuff out of, as we know, so... It's true. It is known. <laughs> yeah, just they're called nature's bread boxes. Uh, so, and b- before he's <laughs> yeah. able to leave, it transpires that the Randalls have actually been arrested in New York, which, the astute reader will note, not particularly nearby to Kent. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it... It clearly wasn't these guys. It could not have possibly no. been. And but... Holmes, Holmes sasses him some. Yeah. He says, Dear me, Hopkins, well, that is certainly rather against your theory that they committed a murder in Kent last night. <laughs> it's so good. He's it really is. so rude about it. Um, but yeah, so, uh, you know, it, it could have been another. There's several gangs of burglars. It could have right. been someone else. We still don't know. Hopkins kind of just, he, he doesn't know. At this point, he yeah. has more questions than anything else it's england we're 30 percent cockney street gangs 30 percent dickensian urchins and 30 percent <laughs> musical chimney sweeps all right it's got to yeah. be one of these right the orphans uh, are too small they couldn't have pulled <laughs> off the rope work and the climbing up onto the mantle like a big old kitty cat so that puts them out <laughs> singing i think would have attracted the neighbors so it probably wasn't the chimney sweeps it is therefore having eliminated the impossible that we arrive <laughs> at the only remaining option Gangs of Cockney Cockney Street Tufts. It was either Cockney Street Tufts or the Queen herself. And again, not particularly tall. I'm not going there. No. (laughs) So, uh, yeah. God save the Queen. All right. So, so Hopkins leaves eventually. (laughs) Um, Like our listeners? (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Wow. We're really like... Holmes Holmes makes some really interesting... um, Uh interesting like ethical and philosophical boundary drawings here that i quite i I like quite a lot um i always say i quite like this but what i learned fairly recently and i think this came as a shock to many americans when a briton says that they mean not really like when they say you know oh that was quite fun they're saying that was was all right (laughs) so it's not yeah yeah. it's not an enhancer like we think it is um it's a dehancer i want i i wasn't sure if like some of the uh, Sherlockian people were actually 
British, but I don't know. Right. They, they could just be like like a lot of Anglophile stuff because Sherlock. I would be very interested to know what the ratio of Sherlockians yeah. is uh, who are native and who are foreign. Because, you know, sometimes you'll get like weird subculture conclaves in other societies. Like there's mm-hmm. a huge uh, Japanese rockabilly scene for oh, yeah. no reason that, that any, anyone yeah. can conjure. Yeah, it's very sure. good. Um, there are like Norwegian, um, or like these Norse Viking dudes, but they're, they're all like, they're all like about like the South and the Confederacy just cause they think it looks cool. Like they don't, they don't understand any of the underlying, you know, okay. problems with it. But, uh, yeah. So <laughs> yeah. it wouldn't, it wouldn't surprise. I'd be interested to know somebody yeah. give me numbers. So I'm curious if like, I'm sure this is the case, but probably being English, uh, like enhances the stories quite a bit because you just know more about the right. history in general. Or maybe maybe it's the opposite. Maybe it's like how Americans don't know shit about American like yeah. culture and history. <laughs> well, but then again, that's assuming that the rest of the world works like America does. Which that's uh, more like an education mm-hmm. system problem, I think, than yeah. anything else. Anyway, yeah. so Holmes, Holmes and Watson are there. Holmes says, "I dare say you thought I acted rather badly to Stanley Hopkins just now." Oh, I trust your judgment, Holmes. Well, good because he's a little bitch and he deserves <laughs> it. No. Um, Holmes, Holmes says that what he knows. He is mm-hmm. unofficial, and he has the right to private judgment, both of which are powerful tools, and they are tools that are unavailable to Hopkins because, quote, he must disclose all or he is a traitor to his service. Now, that shit, that is candy to one Casey P. This guy, let me tell you. Yeah. Exploring the <laughs> the eth- Yeah. The, the ethic. Wayne. You're stealing my middle the, name now? <laughs> yes! <laughs> You're borrowing it for this demonstration? <laughs> if I could. It's all uh, it's all warm. That's okay. Um, it is, it's an interesting ethical examination of those boundaries because, like, we, we don't think of Hopkins as acting. I mean, like, he's acting as an avatar of the law. Yeah. And the law doesn't get to pick and choose. The law, by its definition, is supposed to apply to everyone equally without reservation, without Mm -hmm. special thought or mention. So if Hopkins is acting in his capacity in a correct and forthright manner, he has no choice but to reveal everything he knows and to act on everything he knows. And Holmes, by not acting in such a way, is admitting that he's acting in a way that I don't think he's necessarily saying that his means and methods are unethical, but that there are different ethical articulations for his job and for Hopkins's. And yeah, it's a really interesting comparison so when you good. take when you take Holmes and you put him up against any of the um, named Scotland Yard uh, detectives because they're yeah. both detectives. But yeah. the Scotland Yard uh, is it's kind of like a gift and a curse for them because they're. Uh, they're bound. They're, they're, they're the yeah. They're bound by uh, like the law, and they 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 cannot operate however they please. They have to follow Correct. certain rules. But because they're part of a bigger body of justice, I guess um, mm. they're not necessarily single hand. Whatever they decide, they're responsible. But they're not like the sole. It, it's like it's right. the law. They're acting on account of something else. Holmes is just acting for Holmes. If Holmes exactly. fucks up and someone dies, that's entirely on him, at least in his opinion. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really interesting. It makes the stakes, I think, a little higher for yes. him quite a bit, actually. And it kind of just... I, I think it's what makes, to me... Because, you know, NCIS, 
Blue Bloods, all that stuff, all the like cop shows that are on now. Sure. Um, they weren't never as interesting to me. Like the crimes were pretty interesting, but it for some reason like being part of a force a unit is I, I don't know it, it's a totally different mm-hmm. uh type of i don't know i, I kind of lost where i was going with that but yeah no it, no it, I, see, I see i see what you're doing it's, it's a really it's, significant it's, difference like a yeah, detective re- relating to yeah. the law as an individual as opposed to just being an articulation of the process of law yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. and and private detectives or detectives acting on their own uh independently kind of get to choose everything that they how exact how they operate in every way they can you know and holmes frequently takes the law into his own hands and kind of just like good thing i'm not a scotland yard detective because what i'm about to do they would not allow it (laughs) Um, yep which comes up in a very interesting fashion at the end of the story yes Uh, holmes's relationship with the law and how uh man he is he's just running that poor girl all over town isn't he he's just (laughs) he's yes and he's hot and he's cold he's yes and he's no but um at that point an incredibly handsome man arrives because yes. Doyle got bored writing the story. <laughs> and when Arthur Conan Doyle is bored, pretty boys happen. <laughs> yep. Yeah, this guy gets a very detailed description. All right, let me see if I can pull it up here. Do it. I got a bookmark. I'm going to have another lifesaver. Okay. Wow. That's what you're eating over there. I know uh-huh. I, had, I had, I opened my drawer and I saw that I had watermelon hubba bubba gum and i was like damn i want a piece of that but then i was about to record so i couldn't so i'm waiting well, you'll get there one day Tramp. Casey doesn't get I have a, though. No, when i when i leveled up last time casey I, does I what casey wants exactly last time i i um on my last birthday i took a feat that allows me to uh eat on mic so all right i'll get there i'll level up okay there was a sound upon the stairs there's, and our do- there's yes? a there's a continuing i apologize this is good. relevant i promise there's, okay. a, there's a continuing debate on Dyson Virtue over whether there's such a thing as a good podcast snack. <laughs> <laughs> no. And so every, every, <laughs> every episode, Christina's like, a freshly baked donut, some pudding. And just like, we're going to find... We're gonna find what Dylan will allow <laughs> as the perfect podcast. Snack. Turns uh, out it's not it's not croutons. We know that now. <laughs> yeah, chips maybe. Yeah. No, <laughs> no. crushed ice. No. I... <laughs> uh, okay, so there was a sound upon the stairs, and our door was opened to admit a, a f- as fine a specimen of manhood as ever passed through it. Okay, so yeah, a specimen. <laughs> Uh, he was a very tall young man, golden-mustached, blue-eyed, with with a skin which had been burned by tropical suns, and a springy step, which showed that the huge frame was as active as it was strong. I Watson has a type, I think. <laughs> I think <laughs> There's some so. elements of descriptions of dudes in these stories that yeah. appear frequently. He uh, likes a nice pair of eyes. He, he likes, likes mustaches. Um, he, tall. Likes, he does like mustaches. Yeah. I mean, he has one, so it makes sense. It's mask, true. Mask for mask. <laughs> well, and it didn't it didn't occur to me uh, until just now that like every time we hear a pretty boy being described, it's actually Watson doing it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe a little narcissistic. Eh, if you're if I'm, you're hot, you're, if you're hmm. cute, you're cute, right? I mean, there you there you go. No, Who knows? Nothing wrong with owning yeah. it, right? Yeah. Okay. He, so yeah, beautiful man, Watson. He had been sent for uh, by Telegram. They give him a cigar to calm his nerves and make him barf all over. That's not true. I <laughs> that seems that seems like personal experience there. Yeah, I bad cigar really time enjoy. With you. I thought you liked cigars. I love a good cigar. That does not mean that they love me. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, 
if they're too strong like like um uh jackie's father at uh at tony and jackie's wedding was kind enough to give me a number of what were easily the finest cigars i had ever had and nice. every single one of them made me sick as a dog oh because no they were just they were yeah. way too strong and high end for me give me that give me that watered down uh like um not rodrigo y gabriela um mm-hmm. Rom- not Romeo y Julieta. What's it? What was it? Garcia y Vega. That's it. There you go. <laughs> then, yeah. Well, the ones I start the what the very first cigars I ever smoked they don't make anymore. It's Aww, very sad. That's yeah. yeah. It's really weird to me that I'm old enough that I remember a thing I loved that they just don't make. Like that sounds like some <laughs> bullshit my dad would talk about. Like, yeah. This candy bar when I was young it was made out of World War Two. We're and- finally getting to that age. I know. The second they discontinue mini chewy sweet tarts, that's gonna be me. I'm gonna be all over. <laughs> <No! it. laughs> sad stockpile now right i know um yeah no i i don't have asthma or any other kind of breathing problems but i just i I can't do any kind of smoking i just can't handle it um i've tried a cigarette i've tried a bong hit can't do it it's just i just die every time (laughs) again like i throwing up is my least favorite thing in the world even below death so anything that even brings me close to that i just nope can't do it not today never so yeah don't smoke it's bad for you uh Um, a disclaimer i feel like is important on a sherlock Holmes podcast (laughs) um it may look um, cool but trust me it's not worth it so yes uh they give him a cigar to calm his nerves and they request his true account of all that happened at the grange that night which is odd because he is not known to us the reader to have been at the grange that Mm -hmm. night but holmes issues his usual ultimatum uh the truth and nothing but the truth or jail forever after it's the reigns of castamere for you my friend so he met uh he met lady brackenstall when is it it's brackenstall right i i've been I saying it over know, and over dude. i don't know whatever and i just never <laughs> misses in my notes because i couldn't remember that fucking name yeah there's too many names in these stories um so yeah so he met her um on the ship that she took from australia to england when she was moving out and uh they the rock of gibraltar yes they formed a french it was friendship on her end and romance on his french trio yeah he he liked her but she didn't really she was like yeah no we're friends and he's and he was cool with it. and he being a good guy was like all right you know what good for you he even heard about her getting married later and was happy for her instead of jealous he was like you know what i like her i'm glad she's happy i hope for the best and this was actually before uh the declaration of independence of the friend zone uh in 1947 (laughs) so yeah uh so yeah so he it was was, that was kind of it for a while uh he didn't expect to hear from her and then one time he was back in England, I think, for some reason, and uh, he oh he'd been promoted to captain, I think, in between, sure. the, or he'd just been promoted to captain. Uh, he was about to do his first uh, voyage Captaincy. As, as cap. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, trip out uh, captaincy, but um, he was about to do that, and then he meets uh, the maid Teresa in England. Uh, just he just happens to meet her, uh, and he finds out that uh, she immediately tells him everything about. Uh, how abusive uh, her husband yeah. is and how horrible he is and he just is like he just loses it he's like no i have to i have to do something about this um and so he goes to visit her uh to go check and make sure she's okay and then that's when everything goes down he he's vis- correct yeah, right um, yeah he he shows up and tries to tries to whisk her away and spirit her away and she says no i can't do it i'm married to mr block and bleeb and he's a bad man but we're bound by the law 
And at that point, while they were speaking, Eustace charged up to them and walloped Mary. He just clocked her. He just yeah. told her what the five fingers said to the face. At which point, um, at which point, at which point, Crocker decided it was time to compliment his poker face. Yeah. I was trying to think of, like, the Lady Gaga line from the song, but I couldn't because I don't listen to Lady Gaga. But that's where I would have put it if I had known what the chorus for Poker Face was. Good job, Casey. <laughs> ten Listeners, <out> of ten. <laughs> I'm going to sit here with my arms raised in victory for the whole rest of the episode. <laughs> I hope you do. I learned I nothing from that sore. time at your mother where Barney awaited a high five that never came. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Poker Face. Um, yeah, he... And... and, and in his defense, you know what? I, I, I he, he, he earned that one. I think I would have done exactly. Yeah, he had that coming. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, he pre- um, he pre-ordered that. He got the deluxe version with like the art book and the little sampler soundtrack. Yeah, and so after that happens, so he's dead. Real, he's real dead on the floor. And the two of them kind of, the, or Nick, the three of put, them, including. Can I put the, my arms down? Yes, you can put your arms down. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I will spare you this one time. I have the upper body strength of a cubicle worker, so that was very <laughs> oh, no. difficult for me. Uh, and Crocker, Crocker says it's a great line. Um, Crocker's mm-hmm. a racist piece of shit, but he has a great line here, which is that, I went through him as if he had been a rotten pumpkin. <laughs> I love <laughs> that. Like, sorry, not sorry. It's just yeah. very good. It's like, uh, he's dead and I would do it again. Um, yeah. Yeah, so... In right immediately after this happens, the three of them, because uh, Teresa hears the whole thing happen, she comes down. Uh, it's the maid, Lady Lady Brackenbrick, and, and <laughs> Captain Crocker, Lady 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 Brick Break, <laughs> Break Brick Break, Lady yeah. Bojack Horseman, yeah, and and together the three of them uh, basically uh, concoct the whole story about the burglars. They Correct. they they basically stage the whole thing. They have him. Uh, they have. He's a sailor, so he's very agile. He can climb up. He cuts the rope. They tie her up with it to make it look like it was a burglary. They plan the whole thing, and then they uh, they open the wine bottle to further the um, the thing. I don't think she. I don't think the maid drinks or something. So they had right. to make it look like the three of them. Uh, well, they had to. Yeah, they, yeah. they had to make it match. Yeah. the the three the three purported burglemans. Mm-hmm. So that's how the bees wing got into the third cup because they poured two glasses. Uh, I think I think the lady drank one to steady her nerves. He he probably had one and then the maid didn't, so they poured the the two into the third one. And Correct. that's and that was pretty much it. After that, I think yeah, uh, that's yeah. that's the main that's the main mechanical action of the thing. Yeah. Holmes Holmes admits that Crocker quote. Acted under the most extreme provocation to which any man could be subjected. I have so much sympathy for you that if you choose to disappear in the next 24 hours, I will promise that no one will hinder you. Uh, but it's definitely going to come out after that. And uh, yeah. Mary, Mrs. Um, Mrs. Mrs. Brokerage Fee, uh, will be charged as an accomplice An accomplice to the crime, yeah. So he, Holmes yeah. gives him an out. He says, you know yeah. what? You had a valid reason for killing him. If you want, I can just, I'll just let you go. I won't say anything about it. And, yeah. you know, I mean, the, Mrs. Brax, I think, uh, I think it's him. I think it's Captain Crocker that brings up the fact that she's going to, be charged is like he's like well i can't do that because then she'll right. then she'll get charged as an accomplice correct and he to says which Holmes reply- yeah 
Yeah, and he says, nah, fuck that. Take me to jail. Whoa. <laughs> just, right, just, yeah, no, he's like, no, I'm not good. doing that. I'm not going to leave her to, you know, get yeah. the brunt of all of this. Like, it, it was my, I'll go to jail for it. Like, leave her out of it, like, yeah. by all means. So shines a good deed in a weary world. Yeah, and Holmes. I mean, not the not the murder, but, like, the. <laughs> mm, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, mm, can Debatable. murder ever be an instance of moral good? Debatable. Hmm. Let's see. We'll put it up for a vote. Hmm. Yeah, we'll put, yeah, we'll let Twitter decide. <laughs> That'll be our That'll Twitter. Be fine. <laughs> right. right? <laughs> we'll go from what song song should I sing in the post show to yeah. is murder justified in some cases? Let's see what you guys Twitter think. Twitter is notorious for no, notorious for its ethical decision making. I'm sure this will be fine. <laughs> yeah, so after after he replies with that, Holmes says Holmes stands up, shakes his hand and said, You know what? I was testing you, I was gonna see what you said. You passed twice, you passed both of my tests. Yep. Um you know, I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything. You're gonna go get out of here. Uh, I'm. Ne- I'm not gonna rat either of you up. I'm. I'm the law at this. You know, in this instance, I'm yep. deciding. And he has a a little uh, ritual. Yeah, he has. A, he has a little thing uh, where he. So he he gathers them all together and he says, "See here, Captain Crocker, we'll do this in due form of law. You are the prisoner, Watson. You are a British jury, and I never met a man who was more eminently fitted to represent one. Something, something, gavel joke. I am the judge. Now, gentlemen of the jury, you have heard the evidence. Do you find the prisoner guilty or not guilty? Not guilty, my lord. Vox populi, vox dei. You are acquitted, Captain Crocker. And uh, that's it. Yeah." It's yeah. yeah, it's a great scene. That's one of my favorite scenes in the Cadus on it. Honestly. It is. It's it, a very good scene because it's yeah. a further it's a further examination of the ethical machinery because like the so the law as an institution is supposed to act in defense of the population and obviously with the specific laws that entail that particular population, which is why the law is and must be imperfect. Um as long as capitalism's involved anyway, but that's a different conversation. Mm-hmm. So the idea that Holmes is saying, well, like, if the law can represent the will of the public writ large, then is the individual man acting rightly not entitled to represent the law on a micro scale is mm-hmm. a tremendously interesting idea to me. Because, it like... Is- super fascinating yeah it's very good not because when, when we think of the law applying we we think of the law as being like a separate thing above us that like is just waiting to catch us like a claw game that comes <laughs> down yeah. but like it's it's made of us like we are kind of the law well in i think it's uh I, we were actually just talking about this a little bit earlier um there's to do with capitalism actually there's such a divide between rich people and everyone else and in america it's becoming wider and wider all the time and uh at that point the people who are making the law if they're part of a whole separate they're so disconnected from the everyday person it's like who are they making these laws for it's for people who they who don't exist because they don't know what it's like to live in every day and that's why people who have done nothing wrong in their life ever get accused of identity theft of their own identity (laughs) (laughs) and have to fly back to yeah so um so yeah there's definitely and i think the flaws come from the fact that the people who are writing the law are disconnected from the people who experience the the ramifications of 
Correct. all of that. It's it's there's yeah. I'm not saying this very clearly, but and no no and you're also, you're doing fine. Yeah, and it's yeah it's really interesting. And I mean the, the people who write the law are people. We are we right. do write the law, but who's we? You know, and it's yeah it's it's super interesting. And, and I yeah there are there are provisions there are provisions for this shit. It is known that the breaking of an unjust law is an act of justice in itself. Uh, right. As we as we learned in the uh, first issue of the Unbeatable Squirrel Girl, and <laughs> even if you are on a jury, you can say that like a particular law that's an aspect of the case you're on. If you're a juror, mm-hmm. you can say, "Look, I find this law to be unjust, and I cannot, I cannot, in good conscience." endorse yeah. this law by recognizing it as being valid in this mm-hmm. particular context and that's great and that's not to yeah. say that the law is bad and that it's and like no. there, there are problems have with it for sure there are definitely yeah. problems with it but there's, as an institution yes. they're always working on it and they're always passing new laws and amendments to existing laws yep. uh to make it easier for people as problems come up because you can't predict everything and and society changes, things change. Um, you used to not be able to modify the gender on your birth certificate no matter what, but now you Correct. can't. And yeah. it's and that's good for a lot of people. You used to be able to buy heroin at the pharmacy counter, and now you can't. Which is also very good. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> for a lot of people, yeah. So it's, it, it's, a, it's a flawed machine because it was made by flawed people, but we're also, I think there's enough good people in yeah. it that are trying to always make it better. Yeah. Um, and it's always good in some ways and bad in others, but, you know, it's it's a continual work in progress, just like the rest of society. It really is. And the problem is that, fundamentally, it tries to be anticipatory. Um, it tries mm-hmm. to... It tries to assume and deal with breakings of law and with lawlessness in advance, which is simply not possible for a lot of reasons. Um, right. One of my one of my good friends uh, to whom I'm really bad at replying on Facebook, Aaron Green, <laughs> uh, he's a lawyer and a Republican and probably the most conservative person I know. And I, I mean that because that is his avowed stated position is conservatism. Mm-hmm. And he talks he talks about how from his perspective the law is an inherently conservative institution because its its stated goal is to conserve and keep things the same and have things like have a system in place that works and doesn't need to change and we can just kind of keep this held back now mm-hmm. and he's definitely smarter than I am both in general and in the particular context of the law because that's his job it's what he went to school for right. I'm not saying hey you're wrong about that thing you have a degree in I'm not that dumb yeah um, no. no I'm not I'm not about, I'm not about to fight a Calvinist in a coffee house in Gilbert uh, but <laughs> the idea that the law can ever be done uh, is preposterous because there will always be there will always be new ways to circumvent it um in in the the latest rivers of london book um there's a bit where they talk about 3d printing and how someone someone was killed with a 3d printed gun that was only made for like one shot or whatever and a 3d printed sword and like magic comes into it at some point because that shit's not supposed to work but they talk about how uh from a policing perspective they looked at 3D printing like they look at any completely new technology, which is, it's only a matter of time till somebody uses this to do a crime, but how? Yeah. 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 Um, yeah. And like, I mean, the prevailing, the, the prevailing liberal opinion is, uh, ACAB is all cops are bad, which much mm-hmm. like, 
much like men are pigs or men are monsters or, or, or the misogynist culture or whatever, doesn't necessarily mean that every individual human cop is actively a bad racist person out there oppressing people, right. but that they are all participating in and benefiting from a system built on racist oppressive oppressive systemic principles. Exactly, yeah. You can't, you, you should never generalize. A- exactly, a- yeah. When it comes to people, yeah. There's no n- and- all everything, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And so it just like not every man is actively a misogynist or a rapist, but we but every man benefits from the misogyny and toxic male culture that is in place that automatically tilts the power balance in our favor. Right. Um, like I was trying I was talking with I, I don't remember who it was, but I was I was speaking with somebody about the, the whole hashtag not all men thing. And uh, it, it came up that like somebody was asking how political correctness is defined and i saw it defined as a recognition of power dynamics and that's how i'm going to describe it for the rest of yeah, my life that's yeah because, really good yeah because like if men are talking to women and women are saying hey we don't like the way that you murder and rape us a whole bunch and men who are holding a metaphorical gun to women's heads are saying well i don't like the way that you're saying how you don't like what we do (laughs) i don't like your tone about that exactly (laughs) yeah like yeah like that's not that's an inherently unequal and unbalanced argument right and yeah yeah and it's and it's kind of the same thing with the law like any attempt to improve the law or change the law or point out systemic problems in the law which do exist mm. is seen as an attack on the law itself and as an attack on the people who enforce the law and that's that's simply not the same thing if you are working in the service of the law you should work for its refinement you shouldn't look at a broken system and say well i'm gonna you know i'm gonna support and perpetuate yeah, this guess even this is just how it is oh well exactly yeah that's that's not i mean that's how we get the president we have right yeah yeah exactly so I don't know. Um, we it it was just a really interesting example of Holmes saying like, if all men can be the law, then one man can be the law. And in this case, I will represent the law, and we're gonna make this value judgment as best we can because the law is not, it's it's not this um, it's not this like separate, disconnected thing that exists independently of humans, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So like. To act like, well, I can't make this decision, or like the law is above me. That's that's simply not the way it works. You can, you can make value. To, I don't know. I lost my thread. Well, but, it's um, not. It's it's not set. I don't think the yeah. law is constantly changing. Nothing is written. Well, it's things are written, but they can be rewritten. And it's true. I think and a lot of people, be. and they should be a lot of times. And uh, I think we need to kind of get away from the mentality of like well that's just the way things are it doesn't have to be it it can be different and we should open up a little bit uh and also even in the to shrink it down to the context of just the story this illustration of holmes representing the law to himself is great and i think one of my one of the best pieces of yeah the it's canon, awesome. one of the best scenes in the whole he is Sherlock indwelt Holmes. by the spirit of the law it's fucking radical yeah and especially i mean we see holmes do similar things to this where he makes it up his own mind and doesn't consult the police and just let he lets people go uh in other stories he he catches people who have done a crime technically but he decides yeah. that he's gonna give them a chance for whatever reason and this was i think the perfect uh one to do it with because it was a murder you would think something right. so if it were something like oh he stole uh there's another story where somebody steals something and he decides to let him go to give him a second chance but this is a murder this is like the highest possible but he still lets him go and i think that's 
pretty powerful. I think that's a really good, like he, Doyle went all the way with this one, I think. He did. It's a killing, but is a killing always a murder? Yeah. And I mean, it it was, I would say it was self-defense. I would argue that this murder, eh, that this killing was self-defense, but it wasn't her. If it had been her doing it, it would have been self-defense. He was defending her. It was defense of another person. like, dude wasn't going to come after him with the fireplace poker right. next? Like, yeah, what? exactly, exactly. Yeah. Um, it, w- it was extremely justified. And, yeah, just a great scene all around. And, yeah, it was yeah. super interesting. I, I thought about, I, you could talk about this for a really long time. Um, yeah. yeah, as we have done. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's great. Um, I uh, We're both extremely interested in, the, in ethical boundaries and mechanics, and it is uh, it is good and tasty stuff. The law should protect people. Period. Question everything. Not, period. Yes. <laughs> the law the law should protect people, not control them. And there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Yes. Says the ignorant, extremely privileged white dude. So, um That doesn't mean you can't have an opinion. That's true. <laughs> you can still My piece of shit opinion is worth as much as anyone else's. <laughs> um It's all about what you it's just like what you said. It's all about acknowledging your position. Yeah. You know? As long as you exactly. do that conch and are aware of yeah, you know? Yeah. yeah, there's a difference between your opinion being something you have a right to, which it always is, and your opinion being contextually valid, which is not <laughs> always the case. <laughs> it's an important distinction, yes. As I've said before, and we'll say again, I am always the case. So, that was The Adventure of the Abbey Grange. It was real, real good. Uh, really good Nicholas, story. Yes. who wins your Huxtable Award? Ooh, um... Uh, I'm gonna go with the obvious and just say Captain Crocker. He 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 rules. Fair He's just a good guy all around. Fair enough. <laughs> yeah. I mean, as- aside he the acted racism. correctly. Aside the racism, but that's yeah, yeah. Well, and in fairness, when we when we say that he describes Holmes as as he says, "You seem a good man and a white man," which yeah. is I don't, so very I, odd. I I really wanted to like hope that there was some there was some contextual like he meant it as in like. Like what does that mean? White as in uh what like is Like a white knight? Yeah, something like that. Something maybe. Yeah. I don't know. But probably well, not. Probably not. Probably not. <laughs> so yeah. Huxtable Award, uh asterisk with exception for racism. My Huxtable has yeah. to go to, and I'm frankly astounded you didn't get here before me. I spent the entire episode terrified you were gonna snatch it out from under me like uh What is it the swan on the lake? What is it? It's the swan on the lake! Oh my gosh! <laughs> I was really joking right then, but yeah. No, <laughs> It's the swan on the lake because he's the key to the whole thing. He's just sitting there, literally sitting on top of the answer to the crime. He's sitting right on top. He was under That's, the swan the whole time. Yeah, you know what? I'll I'll give you that one for sure. I can't argue yeah. that. Animals always deserve the Huxtable no matter what. They really do. So yeah. we got two new animal mascots this time. We got that giant crab silver whose name swan. escapes me. What? We got the silver, silver swan? swan. We got yeah. the silver swan and the crab cab. Yes. Yep. Very good. Good stuff. I love this show. <laughs> it had been a good few episodes since we had a new animal mascot. So we it got has, these two. Yeah. Yes. One whole episode. No, it was the well, same this... episode, just two parts. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And this well, and this swan is clearly a crime swan, so that's going to be a lot of fun. He was trying to snatch that silver for himself. He was going to pat out his nest <laughs> with it. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, I love this crime swan. <laughs> okay. Well, let's see what we're reading next. He's got the little, like, black mask over his eyes. Yes! <laughs> oh, crime swan is so good. 
All right, I'm going to go ahead and uh, roll my two D10s here, the ones with little seashells in that my mother and daddy yeah. gave me for my birthday. Oh, wait, hold on. Stop What's your up? dice. Okay, I on. actually want to assign the next story. I was talking to Liz. Okay. I was chatting with my buddy Liz, my good friend let Liz. Me, hold, hold up. Let me, let, me, let me uncock the dice and just put okay. the safety back. Uh, okay, there we go. Yeah, okay. And um, she made a tweet a while back about us. Uh, how she really wanted us to do the illustrious client. It's one of her Correct. favorite stories and one that. of her favorite characters in that stories. And I said, girl, when we get to that story, we will have you on. I promise yes. as a guest. And she is in quarantine right now, I believe, or at least out of her job for the moment. <laughs> because right. Disneyland has shut the fuck down. It's good. True. And, I think we should take it advantage of that, and uh, we should have her on. We should do the illustrious client next, and have okay. Liz Layton on as our guest. Absolutely. Yes. Not only are we breaking format by choosing the story intentionally, we're breaking format by having a guest on a non-decimal uh, episode number. We, you I'm know what? We're so breaking sorry all the rules. to ruin that for you, but we're you breaking know all the rules. We're breaking it's the whole 2020. <laughs> we're breaking rules, but you know Snap we're not breaking half, like an quarantines. Twix. Yep. So, <laughs> yes. Oh, all right. Almond Twix. So good. Oh. Almond, almond Twix, bu- take me Almond away. butter, Snickers. Oh, it was Snickers, not God. Twix. Sorry. Snickers is... Almonds, almond Snickers and Twix are my two favorite. I got them confused in my mind. I was distracted That's by the reasonable. gum in my Almond desk. Twix sound delicious. They do sound good. If they ever want to get on that, add a little extra protein in there with the crunch. Okay. So you know what? The illustrious client. Go ahead yes. and read that. I assume this has something to do with like a manuscript maybe because a lot of these titles are puns and i think illustrious has to is it like an illuminated manuscript like the book of kells or some shit that's what i'm gonna we'll see won't we that's yeah that's what i'm gonna (laughs) think until we read it okay so go ahead and read that um you can find us at the final podblum on twitter um you can tell us if we are helping you uh get through this frankly terrifying and uh unknown time here in our country and in the larger country that is the world Mm-hmm. Um, you can tweet at us, let us know stuff. You can email us at thefinalpodblum at gmail.com if you should like to. You can go to our Patreon at uh, patreon.com slash semiautomagic. And if you should like to, you can fling us five bucks a month. A swan will come and knock you out with chloroform. <laughs> It'll be like, oh, no, come here. I've got something to show you. That thing, rag full of chloroform. Down you go. Swan picks up your wallet, rifles through it. Now your identity is stolen. Nick, it was the swan the whole time. Ah, oh, damn it! I gotta get that guy. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, if you went to the photo booth on the pier where he was found after you were accused of identity theft, you'll find in the little slot where the photos come down, Swan. <laughs> so, if you want to give a us five bucks, bunch of like, just one of those like photo booth slots, it's just a exactly. bunch of pictures with a long old neck and the little tiny Swan face, just exactly. over and over again. It's and got just the like mask one, on. like one fun one, like he's got a sombrero or something, yeah. you know. <laughs> <laughs> so if you want to give us five bucks a month um we appreciate it honestly we yes. have been able recently to undertake some major equipment upgrades for our entire network that were badly needed and it is 100 percent because of you listeners who were kind enough to give us some of your money yes the headphones i'm wearing right now were a result of the generous donations thank you so it's much true. i really needed them <laughs> yeah for the first time in our friendship nick's ears are safely contained and i am I can actually hear out of both of them now it's yeah. great <laughs> Uh, anyway, five bucks a month gets you, first of all, our eternal and undying gratitude, and also uh, all kinds of bonus content, including the um, the pre-show where we talk about how I found out a horrifying secret about myself <laughs> this week um, in the wildest possible fashion. Hint, it involves Steve Martin, and uh, also gets you... 
our episodes most of a week early when scheduling and uh, worldwide virocalypse do not prevent the editing process. We really try. We try yeah. so hard. We do what <laughs> we can, We're doing our guys. best here, just like you. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Mm. So until then, uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can go listen to our other programs. Right now, the only other one we've got going is uh, Dice and Virtue, where our pal Dylan runs... Um, dungeons and or dragons for christina and i it's a real good time my character is a halfling monk named mohabit ali because i am the worst until then all our buddies if you see a swan you know what to do be suspicious of it there you play go. a trumpet at it i don't know yeah if yeah. you see a swan just give it the secret just hold sign. real tight to all your silver possessions yeah just exactly <laughs> yeah just you gotta case. grip your you gotta grip your granddad's pocket watch silver Otherwise, swan's, swan's out there take it. silver swan's you're out there and he's around. looking for your stuff yep, you're gonna feel a out. weird little tickle and it's you're gonna turn around and swan's gonna have his feather in your pocket and you'll be yep. like swan and he'll be like Wah, and bite you and run away <laughs> the virus thing is all just a big distraction from the real danger exactly and it's Silver happening swan. on an industrialized scale what is big swan doing without telling us oh no <laughs> big swan <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye, all our buddies. Bye, all our buddies. <laughs> <laughs>